You are listening to the Daily Homily for Magdala in the Holy Land. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it became known that he was at home. Many gathered together so that there was no longer room for them, not even around the door. And he preached the word to them. They came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Unable to get near Jesus because of the crowd, they opened up the roof above him. After they had broken through, they let down the mat on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, Child, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there asking themselves, Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who but God alone can forgive sins? Jesus immediately knew in his mind what they were thinking to themselves, so he said, Why are you thinking such things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? or to say, rise, pick up your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on earth, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your mat, and go home. He rose, picked up his mat at once, and went away in the sight of everyone. They were all astounded and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting, before coming to the Holy Land, I had never conceptualized that Capernaum was Jesus' home. And if you asked me, where is Jesus' home, I would have said Nazareth. Where is Jesus from? Well, he was born in Bethlehem, but he's called Jesus of Nazareth because that's where we associate his entire life, basically, except for the last couple of years in his public life. But actually, when you go to Capernaum, there's a sign outside the gate. It's just across the lake here, four miles away. And you see this big sign on the entrance Capernaum, the hometown of Jesus, or Jesus' hometown. And that's very nice. It, it, uh, it was, and then when I came back to read the gospel again, again and again and again, and you read this sec- the first line of chapter 2 of Mark's gospel, it says the following, When Jesus returned to Capernaum, or Capernaum, or Capernaum, after, two day, after some days, it became known that he was at home. This means that the evangelist is taking that for granted and that the people are taking that for granted. It's an established fact. And another very interesting thing about that is that uh, Mark is, uh, the Gospel of Mark is associated with St. Peter. That's the way tradition has always understood it from the earliest days. And the Gospel of Luke is associated with St. Paul, because Luke was a very close collaborator of St. Paul, so the way Paul preached and taught the story of Christ 
impacted Luke obviously very much because he was a disciple with Luke, uh, with, Mar with Paul. And then, so Mark is with Peter, but guess where Peter is living? In Capernaum. And guess where Jesus' home is? In Peter's home. All these things thread together very well, very interestingly, right? So before Mass, I was thinking, which set of prayers would we use today that we're inspired to pray about from the, from the readings? <clears throat> and the first thought was because of the very uh, interesting story of Samuel that we should pray for public officials, especially leaders of governments around the world, because that's the theme of the first reading about leadership, kings, uh, emperors, uh, dictators, despots, and then in our times, democratically elected leadership, but sometimes they're not always ready for canonization uh, when their life is finished. And so I just thought maybe the best one to do is because of the gospel text, we take the prayers for the forgiveness of sins. And because of that, I think we'll also take, it's Friday, we'll also take one of the Eucharistic prayers for reconciliation, because they help us to get into this great mystery of the forgiveness of sins. And with that said, I'd like to go back for a moment to Samuel and just to give you a little uh, loop over the whole period until Lent. I checked that out this morning. I was up a little bit early and I got to look through all the readings after I'd finished my meditation from now until the 14th of February, which will be Ash Wednesday. And the two days before that, we're switching from Old Testament readings into the New Testament readings for the, for the first reading in the sixth week of ordinary time. And between now and then, what do we see? We see today, today in this very reading today, we see the issue of kings. And then very soon, we're going to be, even tomorrow, we're going to be reading about Saul, the first king. And we'll have his story, like some major chapters of his story. And then we will be moving into David. And there'll be a lot of chapters about David, and then we'll, and a lot of days focusing on the main points of King David, and then we will have Solomon. And then we'll have Solomon's sons. And Solomon, David obviously is the great model of king and that's been handed down in the biblical culture, and Solomon, in a certain sense, was the peak of glory. David was a warrior king with lots of battles, and Solomon sat on the triumph of all of that, and then his kids went corrupt. And the end of the story just before Lent is this king, um, the, uh, the, the grandson of Solomon, the son, the son, well the son already has problems, but it gets worse and he sets up two golden calves at Bethel and Dan. Bethel, uh, they broke, uh, the son of Solomon caused a civil war and then we have the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And in the northern kingdom, Bethel is Bethel, the house of God, is one of the most southerly points uh, outside of the realm of Jerusalem. And then Dan is the most northerly point up at the foot of Mount Hermon. And in both places, he sets up a golden calf. And just see that also in the bigger arc of history, when you have the people leaving Egypt, and you have the worship of the golden calf, which went on in Egypt very much. And then you have the freedom and then the promise, the, the wandering in the desert to come into the promised land. And then after all the period of the judges, about two centuries, then we have King David. And then we have to have their own kingdom. And then it declines morally. And then that will eventually lead to also material decline eventually and, and defeat by the, the Assyrians and the Babylonians. So it's an interesting uh, reality. 
and we have heard the words of the reading today about what kings can do when they're corrupted and the nature of politics. And it's probably also happened before there were kings. You know, it's the how we use power. And if we use power from selfishness, we won't be serving the people. And then I think one of the great uh, gains of that whole period is that the truth of the words of Saul, God is the king. But obviously, a society needs to be organized and it has to have leadership, but leadership that serves. And that's what we find then with the, the idea of a kingdom is very established in the expectation. It's also the structure of societies all the time at that time up to recent times. And then we have the, um, the, the understanding of the vocation that we have. We have three words, prophet, priest, and king. And we all have some little realm, even if it's just the kitchen, <laughs> even if it's just our little house, our little farm, our little school, our little parish, our little company, our big company. We all have a role of dominion, which was given to us in creation. How do we use dominion, leadership, to look for what is in the best interest of the people the Lord entrusts to every given level of leadership. Parents, are they looking for the good of their children? They're the leaders, they're the king at home. Um, teachers, employers, managers, all, a lot of people have roles of leadership in many, many different areas. Even a little official in an office has a lot of command, a, a bank, desk person, all the clients come in, they can treat them nicely or not. A receptionist at a big company, they're not the CEO, but at the receptionist, they can turn people away. They might have a nice manner or, or they might help to mediate, to serve. And this is the way to reign. To reign is to serve. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Magdala, follow us on YouTube and on Facebook.